Kyle. That's uh, you going with that one. That's your favorite one. Don't lose my number. Darby cast economics Wednesday. Kyle and I, we were just talking about Phil Collins and he said his favorite song is don't lose my number. You know, Billy, Billy, don't you lose my number. That's about his cocaine dealer. Phil Collins had a rough patch, but when you rock the drums that hard and you can sing, I get it. I get it. My favorite song of Phil Collins, lesser known. It's lesser known. It was on the Tarzan soundtrack. It's called Trash in the Camp. It's where he does a scat and he is so good. He's so good. But it's Economic Wednesday and I'm here to talk to you about job searching, right? Because that 600 bucks, who knows? Maybe it comes back, maybe it doesn't. Kind of in the balance. And then if it comes back, how long does it last? What's Pelosi's angle? Not just with this, but in life, right? You get it. Illuminati Mike gets it. But let me tie this all together with a, with a big idea for you. Because many people don't know, like, hey, what's the economy going to look like? Is the dollar going to bottom out? Gold seems to be going up. And does that mean that gold is becoming more valuable or our currency is becoming less valuable? What does it all mean? And I'm going to tell you right now, gold is still pretty chill. And I'm going to tie this all into your new job. Because some of you have a profession that you're stoked about, maybe. And you're like, I am using my education. I am doing what I set out to do. But most of you are like, my job sucks. I work with people that I resent. And HR is always giving me grief for playing the song, I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack Rhymes. Rhymes Womack? I don't know, tomato, tomato, you know, first thing in the morning, you get into the office and you just put on that song and you say, I hope you dance. Like you put that on every morning and HR, they know it's a good song, but they've got some complaints. And so their hands are tied and they got to call you out on it. But you look that HR rep in the eye and you're like, Katrina, you're making a mistake. You're making a big mistake. I'm going to leave and you're going to feel so bad. You're going to be so embarrassed. But that's a lot of your jobs right now. Being held hostage by these HR tyrants, right? Who are generally just a bunch of cat ladies. Oh boy, sour grape city, right? Like, oh yeah, I love my cats. All right, settle down. Settle down. <laughs> okay, right? But let's talk about your newest job opportunity, because every challenge is an opportunity. Every rough situation, like the potential economic meltdown of the entire global economy, because everything is connected by digitization and globalization, it could all come down, but that won't affect you if you put yourself in the greatest position possible to succeed Gold's going to be involved. Tell you that much. 
And some of kind of the Darby cast newbies, the Darby cast doctors in their residency, so to speak right now, they're like, Oh, should I invest in gold? Should I buy a bunch of gold coins? And that's a really ignorant thing to ask. Like a lot of people who are listening to this are kind of chortling right now. They're chuckling and chortling. And they're like, what a fucking rookie call. Because the real listeners, they know. They know. There's no way you can anticipate the heat that's about to be dropped. Stop trying to get ahead of it and try to draw your own conclusions. Because you're on this ride and you might not know where it's going. In fact, nobody really does. Maybe not even Kyle. Kyle, you know where I'm going on this one. This idea came from Kyle. So this is a big call out. So Kyle, the other night, he turns to me and he's like, those Illuminati Mike podcasts were insane. Lee Good. Boom. Gotcha. They were. They were amazing. Illuminati Mike fluidly and expertly dropped knowledge. Okay. And all of, oh man, are all these pieces going to come together in a way that will astound you? Maybe I should just come out with it and say, new job prospect, Illuminati Mike, gold, what's the intersection point? Right? For those of you who are already there, who have made it there before I've said it, well done. But what is their intersection point? Correct. National Treasure, 2004. Movie with Nicolas Cage. Diane Kruger, John Voight, and Sean Bean. Wow, right? Yeah, that one's in plain sight. That's just smack dab right in the middle of your field of vision. And it's one of those things where it was like, oh, no, I shouldn't be a treasure hunter. It's too obvious. It's too obvious, right? Have you ever thought about that? Be like, oh, I should just be a treasure hunter. And then you smack yourself in the head and you're like, no, no, no. That's what everybody would expect of me. I don't want to be so cliche with my profession, right? Listen, when I was growing up, I watched a lot of Indiana Jones. And so I had anticipated that I would probably be traveling around the world, commandeering ancient artifacts and putting similarly weighted objects on the pressure plates to not disturb the ancient ruins and then battling Nazis who were like, give us that treasure. Because we all know Nazis, they love treasure. But I'm getting off track. Or am I? Check that, right? So let's talk about national treasure for a second. I'm going to be honest with you. We're going to talk about it for way longer than a second. We need to really dig deep on this one. So let's kind of take a sweeping overview first of national treasure. Because we all need a refresher. You need a refresher. What am I saying? We don't need one. You need one. Because it's a very select few who have seen the movie National Treasure in the past week. Probably about 10% of the Darby Cast listenership has seen National Treasure in the past week. Because truth be told, you're that in tune. If you're a Darby Cast doctor, you're like, I wonder when he's going to talk about national treasure. But today's the day, right? Economics Wednesday, economics of treasure hunting. 
let's go find some gold, Nicolas Cage as, what's his character name? Benjamin Franklin Gates. What's his grandfather's name? Thomas Jefferson Gates. Like all the men in his family are named after framers. Pretty chill, right? And they don't even like really go into that. They kind of touch upon it, but it's like supposed to be more of like an Easter egg for the scholars. Like, oh, Benjamin Franklin. Franklin's his middle name. Benjamin Franklin, Philadelphia, Liberty Bell, 1776. Of course. That's high level. I think we can all admit that. That's very high level. But let's talk about kind of the plot a little bit of the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it with within like a reasonable time frame, which is generally you want to watch this movie about once a month. So you kind of know what's going on and you stay inspired because listen, treasure hunting, you're not always going to find things all the time. I mean, if I were a treasure hunter, I would probably find stuff ah, just about every other day, but I've got to rip on this podcast. I've got to rip it. So I'm going to give you the roadmap for how to be a successful treasure hunter. But before we can really, you know, take a deep dive into that, let's touch upon the plot of National Treasure. So we've got amateur cryptologist Benjamin Franklin Gates. And to say that he's an amateur, that's like really downplaying it. Like he was pretty good. He was pretty good. So opening scene, he and his nerdy friend and kind of shadowy rich guy, Sean Bean, Ian Howe, Ian Howe, there's the nerdy scientist, Riley, who like is the comedic relief, but it's like, get him out of there because this is serious. National treasure, serious. Get Riley. I'd like to see a CGI remake. Like you don't shoot the movie over. What you do is you just CGI him out of every shot because he doesn't do a damn thing. Aside from make really lame comedic relief jokes. And it's like, you are not essential. When you're picking your team of treasure hunters, when you decide after listening to this podcast, like I need to step to the beat of my own drum, the rhythm of my heart, the rhythm of the night. This is a. Then you got to sit down. You got to get a piece of paper and a pen, maybe a fountain pen because a national treasure, right? And you kind of map out a short list of your team. And if you're going to be spending a lot of time with this team, really take into account, like I wouldn't be able to tolerate time with person X, Y, Z, whoever those people are for you that you're like, oh, maybe I bring this. And you're like, wait a second. Wait a tick. That guy's a boner. Or that girl doesn't provide key analysis. She's a waste of space. Or the guy, he's overweight. And you just, you're like, well, obviously you can't come, fatso. Right? You get it. So let's go back to the plot of National Treasure. So these bros, they're up in the Arctic Circle with these snowmobile-looking whodunits. And 
They find this ship and it's called the Charlotte. Why? Because Benjamin Franklin Gates, his grandfather, who had been viewed by the scientific, historic, and archaeological communities, they viewed him as a joke. He took his grandson aside, Benjamin Franklin Gates. He said, there was a clue left about a big treasure, a national treasure. You understand me, you stupid son of a bitch? Yeah, that's how grandpappies used to talk. It made for much cooler kids, actually, when a grandfather would take a child aside and be like, listen here, you stupid son of a bitch. I got to tell you about something. I got to tell you about a treasure. My grandfather never took me aside and told me about treasure. Luckily, Benjamin Franklin Gates, he got to have that experience. Really cool. Really cool. So he's in the Arctic and he followed this clue that he received as a child, which is like the truth lies with Charlotte. I'm ad-libbing that. It said something similar to that. So he goes to this ship and, and they dig it out of the ice and they go inside and they go to this powder room. I'm not talking about cocaine. I'm talking about gunpowder. Yeah, I'm talking about gunpowder. So all these guys are in this icy vessel. And of course, Ben Franklin Gates, he sees a dead body uh, gripping one barrel and he sees that the guy was wearing a pretty expensive hat, a dead body. And he's like, I was the captain. I was here holding this barrel. And he finds out pretty quick because he opens that barrel. And what does he find? A box. And what's in the box? A Misham pipe. You're saying, what's a Misham pipe? And I'm telling you, it is a carved ornamental pipe made out of congealed seafoam. Pretty rare. Okay. And so he takes a clue off of that pipe, a big clue. He uncorks the stem from the body of the pipe. I'm no pipe expert, but that's exactly what happened. And then he cuts his thumb with a knife and rolls the stem of the pipe in blood and then rolls it out on a piece of paper. Gets some crackpot riddle laid out there. And then this is like the one thing that I was like really blown away by where the riddle could not have been more obscure and unclear, but Ben Franklin Gates, Nicholas Cage, he figured it out in maybe 40 seconds. Maybe the hardest riddle I've ever heard in my life. And they have the balls to call him an amateur cryptologist. Right. Yeah. Okay. So he figures it out and he's like, Declaration of Independence. Naturally, Sean Bean, Machiavellian dirtbag, rich fat cat. What he does is he's like, all right, well, I'm out of here. Don't need you anymore. And then Benjamin Gates, Franklin, Franklin Gates, check that. He and his assistant, his assistant is just such a waste of space, such a waste of a body. Pick your treasure hunting crew very carefully. Okay. But yeah, Nick Cage is like, all right, like you need me. Did you hear how quickly I came up with the answer to that riddle? I'm good at this. And Sean Bean's like, all right, well, maybe. Nick Cage pulls out a flare and then he's like, huh, catch. Throws it to Sean Bean. And Sean Bean 
he had gunpowder residue on his jacket. The whole boat goes up, explodes. Everybody survives, which if you're treasure hunting, I got to warn you, a lot of people with whom you interact will die in explosions. That is kind of part of your new job. So if you can't deal with that, you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast anymore. Turn the whole thing off. Because first off, I don't want cowards listening to the podcast. I just don't. And second off, like if you don't have the skill set to be a treasure hunter, what a piece of trash you are, right? The vast majority, probably 98.6% of Darbycast doctors are not afraid of explosions. They aren't. But if you're in that rare group who's like, oh man, I just can't stand an explosion. Get out. Get out. Yeah. Find the nearest room, walk into it, and then walk out of it. If you live with anybody and you're listening to this right now, I need you to go up to them and be like, I'm a huge, I'm a coward. Explosions, they are very unsettling for me. And I'm subbing myself out of this game. And whoever your housemate is, whether it's your spouse or otherwise, they're going to say, I don't get it. And then you just say to them, well, someday you will. I don't belong here. I need to leave. And then you just never come back. Okay. So the ship explodes, right? Everybody survives. And then it's on. And then it's on. And then we've got the famous line by Benjamin Franklin Gates. Wow. Ian's going to try to steal the Declaration of Independence. A couple scenes later, he says, I've got to steal the Declaration of Independence. Wow. Okay. It's on. It's on. Big treasure. Declaration of Independence. It's on. So Ben knows that the Declaration is about to get stolen. And he goes to the FBI. He goes to the DHS. He goes to... Maybe the DOE, I don't know why the Department of Energy would have anything to do with it, but still, like, they're pretty sketchy. Look into the DOE, sketchy, three-letter agency, not going to lie. But he warns them, he's like, somebody's going to steal the Declaration of Independence. And they laugh in his face. They're like, fuck you, dude. We get over 10,000 tips a week, and there's a good sexual joke in that. I'll let you make that. But they discount his warning. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to have to do it myself. I'm going to have to steal the Declaration of Independence. So Ian, this shadowy rogue, doesn't get his hands on it because we can't have that. We can't. It's very confusing whether he's out to protect the treasure or find it himself. But ultimately, after he meets Abigail Chase, played by Diane Kruger, she's a historian, she's a curator of historical documents in D.C., in charge of the Declaration of Independence. They don't really go into it a whole lot. But just like kind of a side note, you're going to need to have key contacts if you're a treasure hunter. And you're going to need to woo some uh, curators. And not all of them are going to look like Diane Kruger. You're going to be required to do some things that you're not proud of. And I can't stress this enough. Many of them will not look like Diane Kruger. So he links up with her and he's like, this is going down. He uses a fake name because 
Benjamin Franklin Gates, the entire Gates family are disavowed. They are not respected in DC. It's like widely known that these guys are big conspiracy treasure hunters. And you're going to get that. If you're a treasure hunter, you're going to have a lot of people doubting you. You have people be like, get out of here, you big loot luster. You lust after loot. You're titillated by troves of treasure. You're a joke. Early in a treasure hunter's career, that's a make or break moment. When you first hear that like somebody's not about you and what you're doing, you're going to have to probably have a moment with yourself where you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I'm better than they are. I fucking hate that museum curator. And you walk out and you do what you got to do. But let's get back to the plot. Benjamin Franklin tells Abigail, he says, somebody's going to steal the declaration. And she's like, haha, get out. A bit more polite. But Nicolas Cage, Benjamin Franklin, he says to Abigail, Diane Kruger, he's like, nice coin collection. You've got a lot of history in those coins. And like, that's a surefire way to get a museum curator like super soaked super soaked to be like, oh, there's a lot, of, a lot of history here, huh? That's music to her ears. That is Cupid playing his harp. And she instantly, you see it on her face, just like if you become a treasure hunter and you'll see this on a lot of curators' faces, if you woo them and flatter them about what a great job they're doing, because they don't get that affirmation very often a museum curator, generally they're probably tucked away in their office reading obscure text that really lights them up and nobody will understand it. So when you step into their world, you kill them with kindness and you overwhelm them with affirmations. You say, there's a lot of history in here and I find that attractive. I find you attractive, whether you find them attractive or not. You have to say that because that's an instant in. So nothing really pans out from that scene in the movie, but she kind of laughs him off. She laughs him off. And then Ben Franklin, he goes to his assistant, Riley, and he's like, well, we're going to have to steal the Declaration of Independence. And they come up with a plan. There's a big dinner. There's a gala going on at the museum where the Declaration is. And... He goes in there and he's dressed in a maintenance worker's outfit and then he unzips it, the jumpsuit, and he's in a tux. These are things that you're going to have to do as a treasure hunter. You're going to have to adorn yourself with disguises and do whatever it takes to get to the next clue. Do you understand why that's important? You should. So he gets in there wearing the tux and he finds Abigail, who's looking good. After all, it is Diane Kruger. And he kind of like games on her. And then there's this random dude who's like just a complete tool. No speaking lines really in the entire movie. He's trying to hit on Krugs. And Ben Franklin comes up with a glass of champagne. He's like, let's drink. And so they do. But he takes the champagne flute special kind of glass. You already knew that though, right? And he walks away with it, which is, is a different 
play at a party. You take somebody's drink and you split. Kind of cool, though. Pretty big league move to take somebody's drink and then walk away. Not even drink it. But just be like, I'm going to need this. It's going to raise some eyebrows. People are going to wonder if you're a problem drunk. But that doesn't matter to you because you're a treasure hunter and you're on a mission, right? These are the scenarios you're going to run into. Invariably, okay? You can't avoid high-level Washington, D.C. galas. It's just out of the question, okay? Hey, you think you could pull that off? Yeah, right. Find a new profession. You're probably scared of explosions. Probably one of those. If you're doubting whether you have to go to a gala, and if you're, if you're scared of explosions, I don't even know why you're still listening to this. You should have left quite some time ago. You should have turned off the podcast and looked at your housemate and been like, I suck. You're spending time with a coward. That's what you got to tell him. So back to it. Why does he steal the glass? Because he's got to get some biometric data off of it. What is it? It's a fingerprint. So he takes the glass into the men's room, performs science on it, grabs a fingerprint, and then he tells Riley in his headpiece, he's like, because Riley's in a van. Riley would be in a van, right? What a creep. He's like, I've got it. So he goes down, sneaks down to the unattended vault where the Declaration of Independence is being maintained. It's a big deal. So he uses the thumbprint. He sees that there are fingerprints on the keyboard because there's a code as well. And he sees what keys she's been pressing. And he tells Riley, like, these are the keys. Run it through an anagram compiler. And then he does. And Riley, this is the nerdy assistant who you would never want to have on your treasure hunting team. He reads off like all these potential passwords. And then Nicolas Cage is like, no, it's, it, I know what it is. It's Valley Forge. It's none of the things that you just said. It's actually Valley Forge. Thus proving that Riley is useless. Like Riley, you didn't have a lot to contribute in the first place, but this was maybe one of your moments to show up and you blew it. So Nicolas Cage guesses the password, uses the biometric data, gets in, finds a declaration, starts unscrewing the display to take it out. Can't do it fast enough. Who shows up? Sean Bean, Ian, and a crew of dirtbags, henchmen with guns. And so what are they there to do? Steal the declaration. Because they're all going after the same thing, right? Treasure. Got it. Firefight ensues. Nicholas Cage uses the bulletproof glass that is housing the declaration as a shield. And he lives. And he takes the declaration. Let me fast forward a little bit. So Benjamin Franklin, he's got the declaration. He escapes Ian, Sean Bean. And he goes up the elevator shaft, rolls up. He unscrews the rest of the bolts, gets the declaration, rolls it up, walks into the gift shop, gets called out by the cashier and say, are you trying to steal that? And he's like, oh, what? And she kind of looks over at the $35 souvenir replicas of the declaration. And she thinks that this guy in a tux is shoplifting. And then they kind of come to an agreement that he's going to pay for it. He uses a credit card because he doesn't have enough cash on him. And so now he's on the grid. He's on the grid. FBI, they can trace him pretty easily. And they do after they find out 
in the next like five minutes that the declaration is missing. Diane Kruger, she runs out of the gala, sees that Benjamin Franklin, aka Nicolas Cage, has the declaration. She's like, no, you can't have that. Boom, Sean Bean, Ian, he shows up with guns and then it's a big deal. Kind of a big switcheroo happens. Like there's a car chase scene that happens in like a food truck and the and a van. It was not very exciting, but kind of. But then they go to Benjamin Franklin. They go to his dad's place and it's John Voight. And he's like, you guys are lunatics. You're a disgrace. I don't know if that's how he sounds, but it kind of is. And they have like a little father-son moment when Benjamin Franklin rolls out the Declaration of Independence. And they find some numbers on the back that are a cryptograph of some letters on some Benjamin Franklin letters that used to be in the possession of Benjamin Franklin's dad, Patrick, but he gave them to a museum in Philadelphia. They figure it out. They're like, okay, all right, we got to go to Philadelphia. That's kind of the level that you're going to be experiencing. Um, You're going to be at odds with your dad over treasure hunting because when you do the big reveal and you're like, I don't want to work at a normal place. I want to start my own business. And initially your pops is going to be like, all right, all right, what do you got? But he might not understand that you are going to be a treasure hunter and you say, dad, I'm not afraid of explosions. Yeah, I could do this. It's, there's still going to be kind of a rift there, but they go to Philadelphia. Everybody goes to Philly which is just a bogus city, if you ask me. Some stuff happens. Liberty Bell, Ben Franklin, he finds some weird 3D goggles made by the real Ben Franklin. And he's like, oh, I can read the back of the declaration. Then he finds that they need to go to some church, Trinity Church in New York City. I'm skipping over some stuff because honestly, like, let's just get to the meat and potatoes. Fast forward, stuff happens. They go to the bottom of Trinity Church after finding all the clues. And then Sean Bean's like, what's the next clue? Fuck face. Huh? Where is it? Where's the treasure? And then Patrick, Ben Franklin's dad, who gets kidnapped by Ian. I'm skipping over a lot. He gives him a fake clue. He's like, there's a lamp in here. So that means Boston, Boston Tea Party. And... Paul Revere and his ride. And, you know, what do you think about that? And then Sean Bean's like, excellent. Now you guys, I'm going to leave you down here in this underground chamber underneath Trinity Church in NYC to rot forever. I'm going to go find the treasure. I'm a dirtbag. Right. And that's going to happen to you when you're in. Don't be surprised. Right. In your new career, when you've got some rivals who aren't going to treat you right. Because that's not part of the game. Treasure hunting is ruthless. Okay. When that's 600 bucks, extra 600 bucks of unemployment money runs out. First things first, assemble a team. Second, get together with your team and kind of break it down. Set expectations and say, guys, it's not always going to be easy. We're going to have rivals. There will be explosions. And we're going to need to go to a couple parties and steal people's drinks. There may be Nazis who are trying to steal the artifacts or maybe just rogue billionaires. We're going to do well, 
because I want you to be excited about this. But I also just want to let you know, this isn't going to be all rainbows and butterflies. You're not going to be taking selfies every six minutes. Okay. Yeah. We're going to be tumbling down some rabbit holes. Consider yourself Alice in Wonderland and we're in it to win it. Drink the potions. Boy, you're going to be drinking a lot of potions if you're into treasure hunting because you don't know whether you're going to have to use ancient magic. You don't know whether you're going to come up against obstacles and booby traps when you're hunting for treasure. It all kind of depends on the location. Like if you're down in Peru, be expecting to use ancient Inca magic counter curses. But if you're in the United States, I don't know, you might have to take some kind of um, luck potion. You understand? That's just how it works. So yeah, that's like, that's kind of your pep talk. You'd be like, you might have to drink a potion from time to time. You tell your people that because there's nothing that a team hates more than a dishonest treasure hunter leader. Like if you are not honest with your team, you're probably not being honest with yourself. And if you're not true to your heart, you're also not going to be true to your treasure. Well, that's what they say, at least in the industry. So let's go back to, let's finish up the plot to National Treasure. So Dirtbag leaves because he thinks he's hot on the trail, but it was a fake clue. Then Diane Kruger, Abigail Chase, that's her, and Benjamin Franklin Gates, and Patrick Gates, and that fucking boner Riley who just doesn't serve a purpose at all. Get him out of there. You don't want to split the treasure with some idiot, do you? Do you? Right. And so I thought, so they're all in this chamber and they're like, oh man, it's been looted. It's been cleared out, which you, you know, you got to understand if you're going after some treasure, that's like kind of low hanging fruit. It's probably already gone. So you got to aim high if you're a treasure hunter, keep this into account. If you want to find gold, remember we're talking about gold today, economics Wednesday. If you want to find big gold, lots of it, and some stuff related to Egypt, that's where you want to aim because that's the tough treasure. But if you're trying to just find like stupid treasure, very um, disrespected in the treasure hunting community and make no mistake about it, it is a community, but it's also, you got frenemies, right? They're, they're your rivals. You always got to be cautious of them because anything that a fellow treasure hunter says to you might be trying to throw you off the trail. Look at what the Gates family did to uh, Sean Bean, Ian Howe, look at what they did to him. They threw him off, which your rivals will try to do to you at every turn, okay? That's why you got to have a crack team where everybody pulls their own weight. So again, no fat people. And so they're in the room, right? The Gates, they're in this room and Benjamin Franklin Gates, he pulls out that Michon pipe and he finds like an empty kind of hieroglyph and he's like well is it that easy and he pops it in there and there's like a little bit of a twisty twist who done it and then the real treasure room opens because they thought that the treasure room was cleared out it turns out it wasn't boom that's huge right they go into this empty treasure room and they have a big father-son moment where the father's like i thought this was stupid but it turns out that this room exists you're right. But Benjamin Franklin, he just wasn't satisfied. He wasn't satisfied. So Misham Pipe, enter the Misham Seafoam Pipe. 
put it into this empty hieroglyph, give it the little spinny spin a rooney and then boom, you enter the treasure room. And what's in there? Naturally, gold and Egyptian stuff. So much Egyptian stuff. An amount of Egyptian stuff that would surprise you. It would be a big deal for you, for anybody, for most people, not cowards. So they find the treasure room and then the FBI shows up and the FBI guy is wearing a Freemason ring and Ben Franklin sees it and he's like, Benjamin Franklin, Ben Gates, Franklin, Franklin Gates. He sees the ring and he's like, oh, you're one of the good guys. Because in National Treasure, the Masons are for whatever reason, even though they're like this shadowy cult. According to Illuminati Mike, Freemasons, no a bueno. And I tend to agree with that. But in the movie, the Freemasons are portrayed as the good guys and look no further than who? ESPN's parent company, ESPN sucks, Disney, right? Disney riddled with Freemasons, trying to portray the Freemasons in a positive light. But really, Freemasons, who are they? Nazi treasure hunters. I told you, I, I always bring it full circle. I always do. So Ben Franklin Gates, he looks at the ring and he's like, oh, you're a good dude. And it's like, what Freemason propaganda in this movie? Unreal. Unbelievable. But totally believable, all things considered. If the late, great Walt Disney knew what his company had been turned into, this contorted, perverse front for the Freemasons, I think he'd take issue. He would. Imagine just drawing a cartoon mouse and being like, I think this is really funny and I can make a cartoon with this. And then having it turn into a Freemason front for Nazi treasure hunters. Boy, how far we've fallen from Steamboat Mickey. That was the first cartoon of Walt Disney. But they find the treasure. They find the treasure. And to avoid going to prison, federal prison, by the way, not jail, federal prison. That's a big deal. Benjamin Franklin's like, hey, what do I do? Hey, I'm going to tell you all about the treasure, FBI. And it's like, why? You're an idiot. But he strikes a deal with the federal government. He says, I want 1% of the value of the findings. And they offered him 10% and he took 1%. He kind of came out with this sing-songy philosophical bullshit about like how, no, it's too much. Granted, he still netted a lot of coin, but it was like, dude, 10%? Like, why not? Boneheaded move. If you're a treasure hunter, don't take some holier-than-thou approach when you get a big score. Don't take that kind of arrogant approach where you're like, yeah, whatever, I don't need, I, I don't need it. Because honestly, in the world of treasure hunting, there's no guarantees that you're going to find the next big score in any reasonable time frame. So when you get a nice juicy haul of some gold, and if you are lucky, check that, skillful enough to encounter some ancient Egyptian stuff, take what you can get. Stuff your pockets, okay? Watch out for booby traps. I think that goes with almost without saying. So, treasure hunting. I know a lot of you have been kind of waiting on this little piece of encouragement. I think that's another thing that's going on in our society in this Economics Wednesday. 
not enough young people are being encouraged properly. You notice that rates of depression are going up. But one thing I'll tell you as a scientist, because I fancy myself pretty scientific from time to time, is that there is an inverse relationship between number of treasure hunters and levels of depression. So the higher the number of treasure hunters there are in the world, the lower the total aggregate depression is. Higher the depression is, obviously, transitive property, not enough treasure hunters, okay? So with that, I've pretty much solved a lot of stuff. And I want to give you that encouragement where let's kind of roadmap this out because I wanted to tell you the story of National Treasure because it's got a lot of relevant treasure hunting lessons in it. You're not going to find, you can't go like step for step with it and expect to find something, but it's a very strong roadmap of what you need. You need to be able to solve riddles. You need to be fearless in the face of explosions. You need a team where everybody contributes. You might need to seduce a curator who won't necessarily look like Diane Kruger. You can't back down to rival treasure hunters. Take everything they say to you with a grain of salt because they might be trying to throw you off the trail. They're looking for the same deal. If they're looking for King Midas's golden bowl, which exists, if they're looking for the fountain of youth, Vasco da Gama, do you understand? He looked for that for years and he never found it. But we've already been over this on the Darby cast. We have. We know where that is. We know where the fountain of youth is. There are big treasures out there. Pirate's gold littering the Caribbean. And Disney would like it if I called it the Caribbean. But it's the Caribbean. Dirty Masons. Just trying to confuse the world. Yeah. Boy, do they leave hidden messages in all of their movies. And it's all related to treasure. Walt Disney, fun fact, big into treasure. Big into animation, bigger into treasure. Yeah. Why else do you think the Freemasons infiltrated that company? Because it already had a strong foundation of treasure hunting. All of the early Disney employees vetted, certified treasure hunters, archaeologists, historians, anthropologists. So what are you going to do with this information? What are you going to do with it? I think you know what you have to. I think first thing first, let's bring it all the way back to the beginning. Go listen to some Phil Collins. Go listen to some Phil Collins. Feel inspired and realize that your calling has, is, and always will be seeking shiny, golden, shimmering treasure with historical relevance. No, you're not going to strike it rich the old-fashioned way. Because the old-fashioned way, it's going out. We've got societal chaos, sustained violence in major urban centers all around the country. You've got a bunch of barely literate morons going around causing chaos. But, like I said, during challenging times, there are opportunities. So while everyone's distracted, by the violence that buys you time to seek out treasure. Okay. So yeah, that's Darby cast. That's economics Wednesday. We'll be back on Friday, wild card Friday. And we're going to continue doing this right. But like I've said before, 
I am an idea fella and I am a job creator. You're welcome. Darby Cast, Economics Wednesday.